Hey guys, so I think I'm going to revive my podcast because, yeah, I haven't really done much with it since Taipei. So I interviewed one of my work friends, Matali, and we just started talking about presenting and getting nervous when presenting. But I'll just jump straight into the clip because we kind of started and didn't really have a proper introduction. So here it is. <laughs> But I feel like everyone gets nervous. It's a right? good nervous, I think. As yeah. long as you're not getting actual anxiety by standing in front of people. Usually most people get a little bit nervous before they speak yeah. in front of others. Which is weird because, like, it's. I've always said this. I'm like, oh, I can dance in front of thousands of people, but yeah. I can't speak in front of even five people. <laughs> and I think the difference is because when you're speaking in front of people, especially in a place like this... Um, you can see their facial expressions and you can see everyone in the audience. Whereas when yeah. you're dancing, you can see nothing but blinding lights. Yeah. So you just assume that mm, there's no one there. It makes sense. Wait, so I was going to ask you about your dancing, actually. Because I, okay. I guess there's two things that I kind of want to know about you. Yeah. One is the cultural thing, because I know you mentioned that before. Yeah. And two is like your dancing. But if you've segued into dancing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just. Um, I think I attribute a lot of my work life to dancing because yeah. I feel like there's such a contrast between the two, but there's also so many similarities. Yeah. Um, in what way? There's similarities in the sense, like, for example, being in front of crowds, right? Yeah. Like, that's something I'm scared of, but I found an outlet where I'm actually not scared. So being in front of people has always been something that's terrified me. Yeah. But. I realized that if I dance in front of people, I'm actually not afraid of it. Um, and it's not necessarily because I think I'm a really good dancer and I don't think I can speak. It's more just, I think it's just the act of dancing. It's like the music playing and like you're with other people. And I think a lot of it is also the fact that you can't see people in the audience. So. Did you always feel like that though? Because I feel like it would have been when you first started off dancing. Yeah. Were you nervous? Because oh, yeah. I've always wanted to try dancing myself, but I'm super nervous because like, I don't really know anything and I don't yeah, want to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, I grew up dancing at like cultural events and stuff. It was a very normal thing back in Barcelona. Um, like for Diwali and stuff, we'd always like do a little choreography um, and it was always like the highlight of the year, you know, we'll <laughs> be really excited about it. But everyone did it. So it wasn't like only dancers did it or like people who did it were specifically interested in dance. It was more just like everyone got involved in it, which was quite nice. Yeah. I think that kind of ties in with the cultural thing because like, I guess, um, being of Indian origin, like Indian culture is very much, you know, music, dancing, food, like everything that's loud and extravagant. Yeah. Um, so I always think like, I always say this, I'm like, if you're Asian, you you can probably dance. <laughs> I feel like it's in our genes. There's always that scene as well from, I think it's like Bride and Prejudice, where he's like screwing the light bulb. Oh yeah, the light the dog, bulb right? is the classic move. Yeah. So um, <laughs> at work, it's actually quite interesting because whenever I tell people I do Bollywood dance, they're just like, oh, so you like the light bulb move. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, there's, there's quite a lot more to it, <laughs> but you've basically got the gist. Yeah, have you ever tried any, teaching anybody? No, so actually I would love to teach one day, um, whether it's, you know, kids, and I don't know, I don't think I'd want to do something regular, but yeah. like, I'd, I'd like to run a one-off workshop one day, maybe with little kids. I what about work be... here? <laughs> so, I'm only asking this because I have that, um, this thing, who I'm just trying to get people's like side hustles, yeah, almost, yeah. right? And um, I think it would be cool if, if you, I mean, I'm not roving you into anything. But, yeah, so yeah. I've actually been asked by um, Waz if, yeah. if I wanted to do it or like when I was part of a team um, 
like about two years ago, he asked me, he was like, oh, he basically inquired and he was like, how much would you charge to, to come perform here and stuff? Um, As a I, performance aspect there rather than teaching, right? Yeah, I guess yeah. like there's two, there's two sides to it. So there's the entertaining and then there's actually like offering, you know, something yeah, new yeah, yeah. to people. So teaching is, is always, I think it's always something that's like been on my thing you know, like things you're almost to like do. a to-do list, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like eventually I, I would want to kind of give back, but that's always been something that motivates me, I guess, yeah. is like taking the younger generation and like motivating them as well. Um, but as for teaching here, I think it's, for me, like I try to separate the two parts of my life. Yeah. Um, and I find that with like every kind of aspect of my life I like to compartmentalize <laughs> so I get quite nervous when things start to like mix Merge together yeah so if I were to you know dance in in my workplace I'd find that really odd but I don't mind talking about it I don't know it's not something I've really thought about to be honest very yeah. much um it makes it sense though as well because obviously some people like to keep work work and and, and yeah. your work friends I guess are a set of other friends as well yeah that, yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah, sure yeah. and I don't think it's a bad thing I think that's just who I am naturally like I would see my work friends after work and it's very much like it's work friends and then I have my uni friends and I have my friends from back home all your home. compartments right yeah exactly <laughs> um, and I don't mind merging them to be honest like I've had birthday parties where I've invited everyone but I found that my different groups of friends actually sometimes they don't always like mix in well or maybe it's because I don't make a really good effort of like getting everyone to mingle I don't yeah. know um, that was like one time when I when I first joined the firm actually and I threw this massive like birthday party I'm not really <laughs> big on birthdays but I was just like oh let me just get everyone together and then I found that like people were kind of like grouping up into their natural people that, yeah anyway, like, exactly yeah. and I was a bit like oh this is a bit disappointing you know I was expecting everyone to kind of mingle I think I always feel the same thing as well because I I don't know whether I should be the person to try and help bring people together like yeah. because if you're the one who invited people there yeah you kind of want everybody to mingle but then obviously people are comfortable and you don't yeah. really want to force them into like yeah. an awkward situation you feel a bit of a responsibility I think to like yeah. get everyone comfortable but you kind of just have to let them do their own thing because we're all adults at the end of the day right so yeah definitely yeah <laughs> so um what about your journey into like dancing then because you said that you started yeah. it in Barcelona for Diwali and stuff what yes. kept you going because I guess like you said in, in our culture you would naturally do it as you're growing up anyway right yeah so what but... did you have a break and then get really back into it or so actually um my whole dancing thing didn't quite start there yeah. so I, I had done it and stuff but it wasn't something I took seriously um purely because I don't think I had the resources there to actually learn and train harder. Um, and also, like, I think the internet was still kind of, like, up and coming. <laughs> I don't really think Dial YouTube... Dial-up internet, right? Yeah, yeah. I can still remember that, like, sound it made when oh, it yeah, dialed. Oh, like yeah, the and AOL then, connection. And then, like, the landline there. phones wouldn't work, and then you'd hear your mum yelling at you, like, turn off the internet, I yeah, want to call yeah. my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember that. And because we didn't really have that many resources... And I think there was only, like, one... I was really interested in Bollywood always. Like, I've loved Bollywood music. And um, there's only one, like, Bollywood or Asian teacher at the time. And she was actually in my school, and she was a little bit younger than me. And I was kind of like, oh, um, I don't know how I feel about learning from someone who's younger than me. Like, what are my friends going to think, you know? And it was yeah, always yeah. like, oh, you shouldn't really mingle with people above or below your class. I don't know if that's changed in high school anymore. Um, but, yeah... 
I regret that looking back because I'm just like, I should have just done it for myself. Yeah. Um, feel like I didn't do enough extracurriculars growing up. Um, but I actually discovered my love for it in university because when I came to London, I realized how like multicultural it was and how much everyone celebrated their heritage and their roots um, and how accepting people were as well. Like I quite liked that. And I think that's something that still sort of draws me back to London more than even more than Spain partly I think because yeah I always grew up kind of feeling a bit embarrassed of where I came from like not cool enough you know and I always tried to fit in with with my other friends who who like weren't F, um, weren't Asian so so I think um, I started to embrace that and as soon as I I realized actually I'm quite cool for where I come from you know there's nothing wrong with with um, with liking Bollywood music or um, eating curry you know yeah, yeah. little things like that um so where do you, so, where would you say is your home though? Because would you? Because I guess you've come here now and you've yeah kind of meshed into it. I think for me, home is Barcelona and London. Um, I'm always torn between the two places. So when I come here, I always miss Barcelona. When I go back there, I always miss London. So I'm never hundred percent happy, but I quite like that because it makes me appreciate both places more. If I stayed in one place and only knew that, I don't think I would really make the most of it. I take it for granted. Whereas mm. and right now I know I don't take these things for granted at all. So I try to live in the moment a lot more now. And it's not like, oh, I wish I was doing this. It's more like, okay, you know what? I don't have everything right now. And maybe I'm sitting in Barcelona and my friends are going out in London. That's fine. Like I'll go there and I'll go out with them some other time, but I'm going to enjoy my time with my family, for example, or I'm going to go for a walk along the beach. So I think I really changed my mindset about it quite, maybe when I started working a couple of years ago. Yeah. Before that in uni, I used to, I think uni is always a bit of a bubble, like you're surrounded by people, it doesn't really feel quite real. Um, but towards the end, like obviously when you're trying to finish and doing your dissertation, I think I got really homesick at that point. I was like, oh, I was so ready to quit. Like I just want to leave. Um, so, so did you come for your course? Like is that when you first came to? Yeah, I was 17 actually. So I was a bit yeah. younger uh, in my class. And so I was always the baby and I still am yeah. um, with my friends. And I think being a 17 year old and like going to a, a foreign country on your own, like weather's completely different, the culture's different. You're kind of trying to figure out where you fit in. Um, I struggled with that a lot. So I think for the first year I couldn't cope with it. Like I was heavily anemic, I was sleeping all the time. Like you can ask my friends, they're like, Natalie never used to leave her room, she was always sleeping. Um, and it was just because I think I was just trying to cope with it. And like, I found my university course really difficult as well. And like all of these things mixed up together kind of um, made it really difficult for me. But then you sort of do find your, your own little kind of niche and you find what works for you. And that takes time. There's so many things I'm still not used to about yeah. London, like the weather. <laughs> I still complain about the weather, but who doesn't, right? Yeah. yeah. And what would you say like the biggest differences are between being here and being back in Barcelona? I think it's the it's it's definitely the people. Like if I were to compare London directly to Barcelona, I'd say like Londoners are a different breed. Like you know, they're kind <laughs> of to offend anyone. No, 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 not at all. Yeah. Like not in a bad way. Yeah. I think um like and honestly, if you look at it on the tube, for example, I, I make a lot of my observations on the tube. Um, it's a good people, place to make observations. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I think people are super nice, like if you start talking to them. But I think if you don't talk to them, there's this like resting bitch face that everyone has going on. Yeah, it's and true, it's partly yeah. because of the weather. It's partly because 
you're kind of like, I don't want to be too smiley because people will think I'm weird. Um, I definitely have that because when I moved here, I would smile at everyone, I'd talk to everyone, and then I realized this is weird. This is not really accepted over here as much. So, and also, like, London is a lot more kind of fast-paced, you know, it's a lot more corporate as well. So, especially central London, like, you know, rush hour is really bad and everyone's running to work and just, like, everyone's kind of in that grind. Whereas I'd say Barcelona people are a lot more laid back. You know, they'll, they'll take really long lunches and they'll take their afternoon siestas, for example. Um, and I think also the weather plays a big part because I know, like, if the weather's not good, it affects my mood straight away. And Barca tends to have, like, sun all the time. So, yeah, so you so kind of feel, definitely... like, a lot better. In your yeah. Area, yeah, yeah. so I would say, like, you can't really compare the two places. Um, it's really but, funny that you mentioned that though because I remember when I was abroad and it was really hot and all I could think about was like oh my god it's so warm and yeah. then one day it well, kind of got a bit dull and gloomy and it yeah. just made me feel really like at home I yeah. was like this is great yeah, exactly. which is like almost like the reverse right it's like I'm waiting for the rain but <laughs> yeah it's almost but, like you get comfortable in your discomfort like I quite like the rain now as yeah. well and it also doesn't phase me anymore I'm really bad like I don't carry an umbrella around like I usually have a hood on my coat anyway but like like, if it starts raining, I'm just like, oh, well, it's just water. Like, it'll dry. <laughs> that's the point I've reached now, yeah, living yeah. here. But yeah. no, that's great. And what would you say your, like, best moment has been here in terms of, like, being in London? I mean, I guess that's a big question, isn't it? Such a big question. <laughs> um, did you have any moments where you thought, okay, a yeah. better question is probably, like, did you have any moments where you kind of, it kind of clicked? Because I know you said you felt quite homesick and yeah. you were kind of in that transition phase. Mm. Was there any moments where you just kind of looked and you almost thought, like, I fit in here now? Mm. I think um, there's probably a lot of moments like that. I can probably take it back to the first time I came to London um, for my interview for university. And I just have such a vivid image of, of landing. And I'd made the decision to get the first flight in and the last flight out, not stay, um, just do my interview and leave. And so I came in, I got the tube, went in the wrong direction, which I still do. Um, and I remember walking down South Kensington. There's this really long tunnel, um, which goes from pretty much from the station all past the museum straight to Imperial. And I remember walking and looking at all these adverts and seeing like this multitude of cultures around me. And um, I think I was listening to Jesse J, <laughs> Do It Like a Dude or something. And I still yeah. remember that song. And I'm just like, oh, my God, that is like the first day I experienced London by myself. And it was the first time I had actually gone anywhere on my own, I think. I, I don't remember anymore, actually. But, but yeah, it was, um, it was an experience. And I, I remember just thinking, I fit in here. You know, I was walking around campus and I just thought, yeah, I, I see myself here. And that's when I think it started to click. Um, another time I'd say it clicked for me was um, when I got my job. So I'd actually graduated and moved back to Spain because I didn't have anything sorted, so it didn't make sense for me to stay here. Um, and then I was doing a lot of interviews, getting rejected, like the usual. And I remember doing my interview at Deloitte and I, um, I pretty much got told in my interview like that I'd gotten it. And um, it would it had been like a six week ordeal of, you know, rejections. And what I'd done is I'd clustered all my interviews in one. I'd bought a one way ticket and I was crashing at my friend's place. Um, I actually moved like from one friend's place to another just to not bother either of them for too long. And I was living out of a suitcase. And I remember like before doing that, I just told my mom, I was like, 
I'm booking a one-way flight and I'm not coming back until I sort my job out. And so the day that happened, I rang my mum and I was like, I'm coming back. And like, I think it was such a pivotal moment for me because um, all throughout university, I'd felt like an imposter. Like I felt like I wasn't good enough. And I feel like a lot of people have that feeling, but like they don't, they don't really admit it or they don't really express it to other people. So you internally could be feeling really crap about yourself. Uh, excuse my language. Um, <laughs> but you could look at everyone else thinking, everyone else has it together, right? And why, why am I the only one who doesn't know what I'm doing? But actually, everyone gets imposter syndrome. And so that time when I got my job was like the first time I thought, you know what? I think I did that on my own, you know? I, I think I deserved that one. And that's when I was like, oh, London does want me back. And it was quite nice because, yeah, and then, then everything fell into place. Like, yeah, and I guess you get a lot yeah. more structure, but it's almost as if it was a sign as well, right? Kind of was, Because you could have yeah. easily just kind of gone on and then carried on. And you could be in, like, Barcelona right now, right? You could have gone off on a different path. I could have gone on a tangent completely. Yeah, you're right. And, I mean, I've eventually, down the line, I've always wanted to start my own business. So I thought, oh, I'd probably have started a business by the age of 21 but I'm actually kind of glad that I took this path instead because I just feel like the dancing thing wouldn't have kicked off um, mm. had I stayed there you know I wouldn't have had the opportunities as well so everything I think in hindsight does kind of fall into place if you look at it backwards it's just when you look forwards you're just like why are things happening to me yeah and I think everybody plans but you can't really predict what's going to happen right yeah you can't and yeah, yeah this you have to kind of just accept that there'll be things happening in your life that you won't like you won't even have imagined but you kind of just have to roll with it and realize that maybe it's it's what's best for you at the time I don't yeah. know and you said you wanted to start a business do you still want to do that now or a hundred percent yeah no. I come from a family of like entrepreneurs entirely and none of them were too keen on me applying for a corporate job because they were just like, I mean, a lot of it is the money factor as well. It's like, oh, well, you're not going to get paid as much as you could be, you know, if you took a different career path. And, and why, would you, why would you apply for a job where you know you're just going to get yelled at by your managers and they're going to give you all the work that they don't want to do and stuff? Um, but I was quite strong-headed about it in that, like, I want to do something on my own terms. So eventually, yeah, I could, I could help out with my family or I could do my own thing. Um, but I'll always know that like I started it on the right foot, like in the right way, and I did it in my own on my own terms. Yeah, so. and if you were to start a business, what would you kind of have you got any ideas? Um Or are they secret? <laughs> I mean it's not a secret. Like if you ask any of my friends, they, they all know and they're like, So what's happening with your business idea? And I'm like, Yeah, I've just been really caught up at work and I, I don't know if it's because um I'm not motivated enough to do it or just because like it's just not the right time yet for me. Um, but I would like to go into clothing and e-commerce um, of some sort. And I'd also like to pair it with dance. And I think that's why I'm pushing the whole dancing thing so much because I'm so kind of keen to, 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 to develop a personal brand and some kind of credibility so that when I do go into like entrepreneurship, then everyone's like, oh, that made sense. Okay, yeah, she does that, so. Yeah, so do you think you'd start off with like making your own clothing brand if you could, or? Potentially, and it's something that my, my dad's side of the family, like they pretty much own a clothing company as well. So, so it's kind of like, yeah, I, I've got this in my It's like a natural heritage. progression and you have like people there to help you out if you really need it. Right? Exactly, like, yeah. I feel like you'd want to do it on your own, but if you needed the support. 
Yeah, I think, you know. and, and I used to always be really hard on myself in that, like, oh, you know, I don't want to sound like a privileged person, and I, I don't want to, like, take advantage of all, all of the resources that I've got. But actually, like, if you think about it, you can make the most of the resources you have to help yourself and to help others. And I feel like for those of us, and we are all so fortunate um, even to be here, you know, um, and I feel like we all have a bit of a responsibility to kind of use all of our resources in a really positive way to help others. Um, so yeah, that was another kind of mindset shift that I had, yeah. um, like not blaming myself for everything and not being so hard on myself all the time. Cause I feel like we are, and I'm someone who's very vocal about it as well. And maybe I shouldn't be that vocal, but I, I don't know. I, I just feel like more people should talk about their insecurities and things that worry them because actually they realize that other people have the same, like other people will be like, Oh yeah, I have that too. You know? And you start realizing that you have things in common with people which is something you would never see just by looking at them or just by having like small talk with them. Yeah, it's always difficult though, isn't it? To kind of bridge that gap between almost the face value. Because I, I know a lot of people as well who almost want to be seen as their best self, right? So it's like, mm. I want to be seen as like, I've got my shit together. Yeah. I don't want to be seen as weak. And yeah. especially with the whole kind of Instagram culture now. 100%, yeah. Of like everybody posting their best life. Yeah. And then you're just comparing. It's quite difficult to almost come out and show weakness i guess yeah. but it definitely should be promoted more i think yeah i don't think there's anything wrong that. with with posting the best like the highlights of your life but it's also about accepting and admitting that they are your highlights and that like everyone has low points and it's fine to to feel down once in a while as well so like with me um I am pretty active on social media as well, but I always make it a point to, well, I pretty much only use my Instagram to share dance related content lately. Um, but I do try and like write more messages now and, and make it more real so that people realize that actually like, there's it's like not a, just like a story about, and a person behind this. Yeah. Like, it's not just yeah. this facade. Like there's a reason why we are the way we are or we portray ourselves the way we do. And so yeah, I think it it's a really interesting real. shift because, like, I've always spoke to people about, uh, like, people who have a YouTube channel, mm. and it's almost like YouTube became a big thing because you can follow people on YouTube, and people really invest in that person's life, right? Mm. You'll see, like, let's say some vlogger, yeah. you're following the videos week on week, and it's almost like you're sharing that experience with them, and then when they like drop a product or recommend something you're totally like i'm there with that person yeah and even if you meet them in real life you're like totally like oh i'm a great fan yeah whereas obviously on instagram when you're just sharing these one-off images mm. you're like oh, i kind of know this person but you don't really buy into the story or anything but i feel like there's a shift almost because like you said with the long post as well mm. i've seen a lot of more people who've kind of like link out to my blog or like this is what I'm doing or like a heart almost like those heartfelt posts right? yeah so it might be cool it might be something that we'll see more of yeah. just people kind of talking about their goals and things like that which is I think so but I also think there are people who do it just for you know the wrong they do it for the wrong reasons basically they'll do yeah. it for attention and they'll do it because they're monetizing um and I think you just need to kind of weed out the people who are genuine you know um it's quite a tough one because I sometimes find um, quite overwhelmed, myself quite overwhelmed with all of the content that is being thrown in my face. And it's because like, I guess I follow quite a lot of people too. So I constantly do like a little cleanup where I'm like, okay, am I actually like interested in this person? And, 
And sometimes it's people that I've been loyally following for a really long time, but actually I'm like, well, I don't resonate with you anymore. So I think it's important for all of us to kind of do that because we need to be really mindful of the what we're exposing ourselves to on a daily basis. And like, God, I spend a lot of time on Instagram. Like, it's I embarrassing. Was just, I was just talking about this with somebody else today as well because you know how iPhone has that screen time feature? Yeah. So I was just looking and it was like, it tells you that you picked up your phone like a hundred times today. Oh my God, it's and it was so like, bad. And it spend like four or five hours on Instagram a week and you just don't realise it. And even like sometimes you go to autopilot right yeah you like kind of pick up your phone check it and then put it back and you haven't really registered that you've done that it's yeah. just kind of so well you'll pick it up to do now. something and then you'll end up like i don't know checking whatsapp or or opening some form of social media even though you were actually you picked up your phone to look something up and then you'll put it down and then two seconds later you'll be like oh wait hold on i didn't even do the thing that yeah, I, was, I was meant to it's almost like the human equivalent of when you walk into a room and you forget kind of what why you went to that room yeah right? yeah yeah, definitely. It's quite bad. I feel like we all have this problem. And I think we're pretty much all addicted. But we need to use it in a positive way rather than negative. So it's more like... And yeah, about what would you being, define as a positive way? Um, being conscious about the actions that you're taking. So if you are like checking your phone a lot, like what sort of apps are you using? What sort of content are you exposing yourself to? Is it something that's um, informative? Like, are you learning something from it? Are you gaining some positivity out of it? Or are you actually just looking at photos of your mates going out all the time, um, thinking, why am I not out with them? Or, you know, looking at people you probably barely know, um, going on holidays and, you know, looking like they have the best lives and actually you're sitting at work thinking, <laughs> what is my life? When actually, if you think about it, that same person is probably sitting at work too, looking at your photos, thinking, what is my life? So actually, what the hell is wrong with all of us? Yeah. You know, I do wonder this sometimes. So that's when, you know, there's this whole thing of like um, Instagram, like curated content and photoshopped photos and like everyone being a fitness blogger and model and like all of a sudden all you're exposed to is all these like really beautiful people who are super toned and you're just like, how do you have so much time to go to the gym? Um, look next time you think that look around you on the street or on the tube I do this and I'm like literally everyone's so normal like just like me we're all so like we're all so different but amazing in our own ways but actually we're just exposed to like one type of like demographic almost and all of a sudden everyone's trying to be like that but it's not attainable because we all have full-time jobs like we can't live in the gym so yeah that's what I mean about being conscious about it. It's like you can be exposed to it, but you need to know that that's not realistic or attainable. So you shouldn't compare it to your own life. Does that yeah. make sense? No, it does. It's a really interesting point, actually, because I've never really thought consciously about what I see in my feed. Yeah. Because obviously I've followed things, keep scrolling, and like you said, you see similar content, but I've never actively kind of gone and unfollowed people. It's just... But obviously, you said as well, you change over time. Yeah. So I think it's one of the takeaways I'm going to get. I'm going to go purge people, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think you need to know, like, everything's a business as well. Like, they're trying to sell you a product at the end. Most people or influencers are trying to sell you something at the end of the day. Whether and it's an idea or a product or exactly. a or their um, brand, right? It might be really low-key, and they might be doing it as a strategy over time. But they use, like, human psychology to to kind of optimize their marketing. And that's something I find really scary, how we're actually all kind of being manipulated yeah. and we're letting ourselves be manipulated because we know it's happening, but we don't stop it. 
It's so true so. because we're all like, we know that like we're addicted to Instagram. Like I know that it's like sometimes unhealthy for me just to scroll, but I just keep finding myself doing it, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. So maybe it's about like using that platform for positivity and like positive change. And that's something that I really stand for. And I really admire a lot of people who, for example, like people who are influencers, but actually like are real people and know to put their phones away. And you know that... If you met them in person, they wouldn't even have their phone on the table because they know that that's their job and they put it aside. And there are so many people like that. And yeah, I think everyone needs to be a bit more like just aware of what they're doing to themselves over time. Yeah. I think I'm going to leave that as the key takeaway because <laughs> I think it's a really nice message. So yeah, yeah. get everybody go purge your uh, Instagram following. No, no. but um, Unfollow all the people that you don't want on your <laughs> But great, yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Bye.